ending in for Mr. Christy Wells, the co-founder of Safe House Project. Please introduce yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on today. Yeah. My name is Brittany Dunn. I am the COO and co-founder of Safe House Project. We are a national nonprofit working to eradicate child trafficking. Yeah. And yeah, probably the most insidious thing, the most insidious topic I yeah. talk about on this podcast. I've had on guys talk about the threats of nuclear war. I've had on Delta Force guys talking about shooting terrorists. And actually, you know what? Yeah, that's uh, let's just go. From, if you can't tell the podcast, I just do it top of my head. The yeah. one guy I've had on a lot, Dale Comstock, the youngest ever member of Delta Force, worked at the CIA for 10 years. I mean, a real life uh, James Bond. And he says you know, in his voice, you know, I don't lose sleep over the number of guys have dunced you know, taken out. He goes, but the problem he has is when he's in a, a foreign territory operating and he sees, you know, he sees injured kids because, well, one, they remind him of his kids. But two, he's like, man, you know, you're a fighting age male. You're a terrorist. Like, you've made your decision. You've kind of crossed the Rubicon. It's like, man, you're like a seven-year-old kid missing his front teeth. And, a, you know, he, you know, he's this tall. And he's crying in a war zone. And Dale is like the toughest man in the world. And he's like, that is what, that's what he has to do therapy for. Child trafficking, I would say perfectly illuminates that it's it's the darkest of the dark it's i'm 30 you know i've i've made my sins whatever i get's coming to me but man like a little kid it's it's pure innocence i i'm already talking nonstop. what can as we just said before we start recording what can the average listener do whether it's just things to look for whether it's you know kind of like a post 9 11 see something say something is there a place to report to? Are there little things they can take if they see someone or they suspect something? Can they be like, hey, man, you may want to do X, Y, and Z. Again, you and I aren't going to clean up the Great Pacific garbage patch, but we can maybe take the water bottles out of our trash and put it in the recycling. You're being a very patient listener as I just ramble on like an idiot, which is what I do. But what can they do? What can I do? Yeah, I think that's a great question. But I think in order to even start there, um, just in case we do have some new listeners on, I just want to kind of frame what is child trafficking? Because that is such an important um, point. And there's so much misinformation out there. So often right now, it looks like QAnon conspiracies, or it looks like tunnels under New York City. And it's like, (laughs) that's when you go... Oh no, I don't deal with that. I yeah. don't believe that that's even happening yeah. or maybe believe that that's happening, but I can't even step into it. So what is it? Like, what is this thing that everybody is talking about now? And I mean, at its core, it's anytime a child is sold for commercial sex, whether that is prostitution or they are used for pornography and that pornography is sold. And so that's what we're talking about. It isn't these it isn't something new. It's really the continuum of child sexual abuse in America. We've just been able to figure out that we can now add a dollar sign on to it like everything else and make money off of it. And so that's what traffickers are doing. Um, So that's really where we work to help individuals understand how they can feel empowered to step in to either spot, report, or prevent trafficking. So to your question, uh, you were saying that you have a lot of listeners on here who might be the HVAC guy 
Last year, we released a training to all of the pest management industry talking about what are the signs of child trafficking in the home? Because most people don't realize that 40% of kids are trafficked by a family member. So if you are a service provider going into people's homes like pest management or pest technicians who go into 20 to 30% of households on an annual basis, maybe you're going in and you're walking in, you're seeing a couch that's made up like a bed, or you're seeing that film equipment in a child's room, or you see... um, you know, that there is a minor who is in a home where there seems to be, um, you know, a heavy sense of pornography or uh, drugs or other, you know, illegal industry or crimes. And so at the end of the day, whether or not you report that and you end up stopping a child from being um, victimized through trafficking or you help a child who maybe didn't know how to raise the flags that their parent is struggling with a drug addiction, I don't think any of us are going to be disappointed with the outcome of serving that child. Mm. And so that's so much of the core of what we try to educate to, or what are the signs and indicators that people can see and how do they report them? It's, yeah, sorry, did I, did I just yep. interrupt you? Oh, yeah, I was, for everybody listening, yeah, the HVAC, I was saying beforehand, you know, an average listener might be a bartender in Florida or an HVAC guy in Baltimore. And I, what I said to her is, how, how do they affect change? Real, real, actually, I one of the guys that listens to this a lot, I know is one of the biggest fan, is actually an electrician. Yeah, he goes into a lot of houses. Um, real quick aside, I always use weird analogies, so bear with me. You probably think I'm crazy. Right after World War II, when we brought back Nazis from Germany, and they had jet engine technology, whereas we still had propeller technology. This is super, super crash course history. Out in Nevada, not Area 51, it's called Groom Lake. It's an actual air base. It's where we put classified technology, experimental aircraft. It was so classified, we didn't want anyone in the world to know that we had jet engine technology, including members of our own Air Force. So it was a very select few. So if your average Joe pilot out there was flying around and they saw something with a jet engine, they didn't want that leaking out to, you know, any potential saboteurs or spies. So what the pilots of the jet engine craft would do, I'm not making this up, late 40s, early 50s, they would wear gorilla masks if they saw another aircraft getting close. So when this guy would land... You know, maybe he's a respected pilot and he's like, I saw this weird craft that had no propellers. There was smoke coming out the back and everyone's, oh, wow. And he goes, and you'll never get it. There was a gorilla flying it. Well, you poison the well. And now no one believes it. And we know that as disinformation or misleading information. There, It does serve to hurt what you and Ms. Wells are doing when it gets tied into... Yeah, it's QAnon. No, it's the battle for good and evil. There are there are, there are tunnels underground, and no, it's these are Satan reptilian overlords. And it's like, well, that. So when people see that and they go, I don't want any part of that. One, because maybe there's nothing I can do to stop it. Or two, oh, they're a bunch of crazy people, and I'm going to lose my job. When it's not that, it's there is child trafficking. There is, as Miss Wells said last time, there are people can pay to rape a child to death or watch someone rape a child to death and that's horrible in itself and literally well some cases literally but also metaphorically it's it's satanic but it's not necessarily 
there are tunnels under the Vatican that go directly to New York City. It's like, okay, well, now you're now you're poisoning the well. And again, you're being a very patient listener, and I know I'm a crazy person. But that is an analogy I wanted to draw, is there is that, to anyone listening, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's, right. a lot of it is insane. Try to sift through it, and I think the simplest way you can do is, well, what you said earlier follow the money. If it's talking about Hillary Clinton's a reptile, that's that's insane. That's crazy person talk. If there's a $150 billion international industry, hone in on that. Sorry, right. sorry for that little tangent. No, it is great because, you know, we find that all the misinformation, people are coming at that with a, you know, a kernel of truth and then they exploit the rest of it. And that doesn't help the industry. And really, it, it, if anything, it actually helps the industry because if we're only focused on these very extreme versions of the truth, then we miss what's right in front of us. And so if you are a coach and you have a child who is not showing up to practice a lot or when they do, they are seeming aloof and they're dissociating during practice or they are wearing long sleeves and it's getting hot outside and you're missing the bruising on their arm and you don't report that that's a child you could have helped or you know if you are a neighbor who sees one of the kids in your community who's home a lot during school hours or is very nervous and resistant to a certain adults in that child's life that's something you can report and that's what's so impactful is that when we just slow down enough to really see kids and meet them where they're at, especially coming out of COVID when we don't know how many kids have been trapped in unsafe homes, we have the opportunity to truly step in and change a child's life. And so I think that's just that um, that beautiful opportunity we have to embrace the hard and just educate ourselves a little bit on the hard so that hopefully we can be on the hope side of a dark issue. Yeah. And what, where do where do people report it? Is it just the police? Is it Child Protective Services? Where where would they go? What would they, again, for yeah. the, the listener that doesn't have more than an extra 30 seconds in the day, and for God bless, they listen to my podcast, what is something they can do? They just have their phone, yeah. they're an electrician, they're going into a home, they see something weird. Where do they go? What do they say? And who do they say it to? Right. The National Human Trafficking Hotline is a great resource for suspected trafficking. If you see something that you know, maybe you see it and it's a few hours later and you're like, oh, that just really didn't sit right with me. I was at the, um, you know, maybe you were at getting gasoline at the local um, gas station and you saw a child who was with an adult that really felt uncomfortable or that they were, you maybe saw an exchange of money and a child present, but you couldn't, you didn't know at that time what you were seeing and you then re- like were kind of hesitant to engage, but it was still sitting with you later report that to the National Human Trafficking Hotline because what that is, is that's a whole lot of tips that are coming in that create patterns for law enforcement to engage. So if you have a, um, you know, a massage parlor that's constantly, there's constantly receiving tips about, that informs where law enforcement is going to focus their time and energy. So that's the beauty of the National Human Trafficking Hotline. But in those acute situations where you're like, okay, something is wrong. I can tell this person needs help. You just call 911. Like, do not pass go. Like, 911 okay. is there for a reason. And that's the best way to engage. Um, I think that, you know, if you do want to call Child Protective Services, obviously that's a great course of action. If you, it's a neighbor's kid and you want to do a welfare checkup on a child, that's a great first step. 
But, um, you know, at the very least, store the National Human Trafficking Hotline in your phone because you can call, you can text, and you can go online later and report that information to the, um, to the hotline. Yeah, and the, I hadn't thought about that. That isn't that is important is yeah the pattern of tips maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't all lead to something but think of like yeah think of like the cia tracking down bin laden or something right you don't necessarily find a selfie on instagram of bin laden in in a bada bad but what you do find is a tip off from a cab driver or metadata from a phone and maybe over a decade you start to you know, 90% of the tips are happening in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Some are in New York, some are in Melbourne, some are in Moscow. But they're all kind of painting this picture of right here, he's probably there. And that actually, I hadn't thought about that. So, okay, so it's not all for naught. It's not like, oh, well, that, that child's long gone. That was two hours ago. It's it's not necessarily the same as like an armed robbery where it's like, oh, they got away. You can right. add actionable data. Well, because it's organized crime and that's the other part of, or it can be. And so when they create those patterns, you know, they are going to be, have their normal stomping grounds and things like that. And nobody should feel like they are going to be at fault for reporting and having it not be trafficking. Because when you report, it isn't your, you're not the one having to go up against a trafficker in a court of law. Like it's not going to be your tip that is ultimately going to bring down a trafficker. It is going to be law enforcement working their bottoms off to try and um, build a case and finding those who have been impacted to really build that. And so that's where, you know, we as community members have a great opportunity to be the eyes and ears of our um, of the situations where we live, work, and play to say something when we see something that helps law enforcement be more effective because we all know that they are spread thin, they can't be everywhere. And so if we want our communities to be healthier, to be stronger, and for us to prevent trafficking in them, we just have to say something when we feel uncomfortable. Hmm. Now, yeah, just yeah, let's play devil's advocate for, for something that isn't trafficking and someone maybe like myself or whoever maybe it's a legitimate concern you know well i don't really think that's trafficking or maybe it's just completely understandable maybe it's a part of you that's going man i i i kind of i'm really not sure if it is and i don't want to be that guy that you know calls it and it's not that is that going to ruin that person's what what actually happens is there do you know what happens if it's if it's not trafficking, I mean, I know it's anonymous. I know it doesn't have any effect on the actual person calling it in. But for someone that is genuinely concerned or perhaps maybe is just scared and they are used and I would absolutely be that person is maybe using that as an excuse, you know, when it's like kind of rainy outside and you're like, well, I guess we can't go to the gym today. I mean, I can't, you know, I just can't. I can't. You know, it's Walmart's a mile away. COVID. You got to go to McDonald's. We just got to do it. We can't, we can't. We don't have an option. We have to go get a Big Mac. I am absolutely that glutton. Is there, how do we ease the minds of someone like myself who consciously or unconsciously might fabricate uh, an excuse to be like, ah, maybe that was just a kid and the dad had a long day. I know me and my brothers probably drove my parents up a wall. I'm sure, I'm sure they've been angry and angry enough at us that someone might've looked at us and gone, are they being trafficked? No, we're just being asshole children. Right. Well, and you're not wrong there. I mean, and I think that it's looking at a variety of indicators. You're not saying, oh my goodness, that that 
12-year-old girl is dressed promiscuously today, we would have a whole lot of tips if we were going based on 12-year-old fashion. Like, let's be clear. Right? (laughs) But but if you're seeing other presence of mental health indicators, if you have a child who is suicidal or really is struggling with depression or has had huge shifts in their normal routine from maybe having a really core group of friends to being isolated by an older boyfriend, those are all patterns of grooming and predatory behavior that may have entered into their life. And so it at that point, you know, you reporting something that you're seeing really could be helping a survivor who doesn't know how to have a voice for themselves. Um, we had a one individual who came into care. She had gotten into her the situation because she had sent a nude and she was being sextorted. And so when that sextortion escalated, the um, trafficker started to require her to do, you know, more extreme versions of trafficking and engage in person. And so she didn't know how to get out of that because he was threatening her dad's high powered career. She, he was threatening her reputation for getting into college. And he was saying that he was going to go after her 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 network of people that she loved. And so these individuals don't always know how to break the cycle of blackmail and shame and guilt that they're in. The average survivor has to have eight interactions with somebody they truly trust to even self-identify as a victim of trafficking. And so if we are waiting for people to self-identify as a victim of trafficking, then that's why survivor identification is only at 1%. In the United States. So I would rather be on the side of like we had a um, a woman that we had trained through our education platform and she was working at a summer camp and she had one of the eight-year-old girls in her um, group that said to her that said to her oh I'm so excited my 16-year-old um, sister and her 20 plus year old boyfriend are taking me and my closest friends and the my closest friends all eight year olds in the third grade to a hotel party tonight but we're not allowed to tell anybody because it's only for the mature eight year olds if that camp counselor hadn't said something we would have had six eight year olds being trafficked through the streets of Hampton Roads. And so that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to the point where we say, something feels off, let's prevent this before it happens. And that's really the beauty of education is that ultimately eradication comes through education. And so if we choose to step in, learn signs and indicators to help those who have already been impacted by by the heinous crime of trafficking and educate ourselves to prevent it before it happens, then there truly is a solution to child trafficking. Personal question. Yeah. When learning about all this stuff, how do you refrain from just going full Rambo? How do you just refrain from going, you know what? I'm not calling child protective. How do you refrain from just going John Wick? Just like, you know yeah. what? There's not evil on this earth. I know. I mean, I think it's all those years of watching Jack Bauer that have taught me all my self-defense moves. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is that we have really incredible partners in the space. And so when you are connected into law enforcement and into child protective services and those who are have the best interest of the individuals that you're serving, 
you have that point of contact that we can call. We know who to engage. We know who are the operators who can go in and get somebody out of a trafficking situation. And so I think that really helps me personally. And that's why, you know, we love collaborating and working across the industry to unite it is because we can't be everywhere that our partners can or this person can. I think that's part of it. Um, but on that, like, just got reaction side, yeah. um, you know, where it just makes your blood boil. Um, I was not a runner before we started this, like hated running, like really like up there with, I would find every excuse in high school to get out of running yeah. or swimming or anything that Cardio. did not make anything like that. I was like, Oh, I went so far as to get doctor's letters on all that stuff. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I ended up doing that stuff. Um, like when we started this, Christy said to me, she goes, you're, we're going to run Marine Corps Marathon. I was like, you're hilarious. I'm not running Marine Corps Marathon. Well, then we became charity partners for Marine Corps Marathon in 2019. And she's like, you, you, we have to run. And I was like, I'm not running. So we go to DC for some meetings. And I was like, oh, good Lord. It's that still small voice in your head that goes, you can't ask others to do what you're not willing to do yourself. So here the girl who had never run a mile, it's June or July, Marine Corps Marathon was in October, sign up to run Marine Corps Marathon. And we did it and it hurt, but now I would say that's the thing that helps me now. I run probably five times a week because I had to find something that could mentally ground me mm -hmm. as an outlet. And I think that's so important in this work is self-care and recognizing when the vicarious trauma is setting in. Um, there are still individuals on my list that I would love to have a conversation with, yeah. um, you know, but I also recognize that a lot of those people are also broken people and they have had their hurts and hangouts. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the real, that's the real kind of philosophical wild card, right? Is like, man, is this trafficker? Were they trafficked? Is this just some weird karma cycle? And it's, and then it's yeah. like, where does the line begin with like, at what point does your, you know, at what point, you know, where's, where's the definitive line where it's, you know, it's like, that was a necessary action and this is a war crime. Where is the, Curtis LeMay said that, the guy who was firebombing Japan so that they'd surrender, he was like, hey, man, if we lose the war, they're going to try me for war crimes. But now, because we won, we say he's a war hero. There's that like, oh, he's a five-year-old being trafficked, innocent. Eight-year-old, innocent. Twelve-year-old, innocent. Sixteen-year-old, innocent. A lifelong of trafficking, and now he's so damaged, he becomes an offender. Guilty, evil, spawn of Satan. It's like, that's a, that's a hard, I mean, obviously they're guilty, but, right. you know, where, do you, where does your heart stop bleeding and you start getting angry? Right. I mean, nothing excuses the behavior or their Absolutely. action. Like, I have one survivor who said, you know, my trafficker was a victim of a, a child abuse at the hands of his mom and a child sexual abuse at the hands of his mom. She's like, but the moment he touched me, he became just as guilty as she was. Okay. But that same survivor is also the one who, when she went to church one Sunday and watched a buyer walk in who had purchased her when she was nine years old, said to me, I hope that my belief is, is that his heart changed as much as mine has to get me to the point where I'm at today, that he has every right to be in this room with me. And so 
if she can do it, good lord, I better be able to at least attempt it. <laughs> yeah, was it who? I'm gonna butcher it. Who was it? Mark Twain. It was one of the just the brilliant authors. I pray for I pray for Lucifer, who in 1800 years has prayed for he who needs it most. And it's like very easy for me to say that in an air conditioned room with clean clothes and a nice squishy chair, saying it through a screen where I don't really have to follow my actions, but. You know, it's, I've recently started praying again. I, you know, religious till I was like 15 and then kind of 15 years off and kind of finding it again, slowly but surely. But the point is, is I find myself praying for those who I need, who I think need it the most. And it's probably the serial killers. It's probably, it's probably Mao, Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot. And it's very easy, again, for me to say, oh, how noble of me. I'm praying for those who need it. When I didn't lose any family members in the Holocaust, I've known nothing but opportunity and, and, a, and a, a parents who are still together and wonderful siblings and private education. But there is a point to like, is that a good training for a marathon? Do you do you run 10 miles knowing you probably are only going to get to seven, but it's a good training exercise. So eventually you keep upping it up slowly and slowly and slowly to where you can go further. Man, you're right. If that if that trafficking victim to the individual who sold her. If they can find it to say they had a change of heart. Now, this a very important distinction, as I, I would imagine you agree this isn't trying to humanize traffickers. By all means, they need life in prison. But 100%. I guess you can't become the. I guess you can't become the animal, right? You kind of. Right. You you gotta keep. Because at what point do you become them? At what point are you like, no, they're all evil, burn them in hell? And it's like, well, how is that any? How is that right. any different? You know. I don't know what well, I'm talking about. I'm going off. No, but I mean, it's so important to just, I think my my lines in the sand is like, I above all else, I'm going to honor the survivors. They are the ones with the lived experiences. They are the ones who have endured hell and back. And so in that, you know, if they are prosecuted, they decide to, you know, prosecute um, and go up against their trafficker, I'm standing with them on that line. Like, I won't be on the other side of that courtroom. Let's be clear. But I do think that we have to extend grace to everybody because none of us are perfect. And yeah. so how do we how do we just live that out in our daily actions? And I think um, for me, that's not carrying the hatred and resentment toward those that I would really like to, those yeah. that I would like to go out and jack bar. Like, that'd yeah. be really great. I mean, it would be fantastic, but it doesn't solve problems. No. And there are... My husband's military. He's, he was a Top Gun instructor. So when you were talking about Nevada, I know that territory. Okay, awesome. All too well, you know, and, but he's currently at the Pentagon doing tabletop exercises with the war game directorate. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that we have to find diplomatic solutions to solve the world's hardest problems, but also understand our own convictions and our own minds in the sand. And I think that's where we lead from is that we have to, um, we have to be able to hold a lot of different things in tension with one another in our minds and make the best decisions that we can on behalf of those that we serve. I had, I had a guest on, this is, this is episode 452. I think it was guest number 19. It was a guy from Syaret, the Israeli special forces. He sent me like his passport and everything, but he had to wear, um, he had to wear uh, like a mask because 
if he traveled abroad, other nations have prosecuted Israeli military members before. It's kind of this entrenched anti-Semitism for saying like, oh, you, it, he couldn't reveal his identity. And so we were talking and talking and talking and we kind of got to the, eventually got to the point of like something like Hezbollah or Hamas or whatever, or Al Qaeda. And I was like, man, I was like, I'm a white guy with no military experience who lives in the United States. I was 11 years old during 9-11. Like, you know, and I got some hatred for him. I was like, what is it like to be an actual trained soldier from Israel when you have the heads of these nations tweeting death to Jews? I was like, you must just, so you must just go on fire. And he went, yeah, man, I feel so bad for them. I was like, what? I was like, what? I was like, what? 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 And he goes, man, I go into these places and, you know, they don't have any infrastructure. They're from broken homes. A lot of them have never had like a single multivitamin. Their teeth are falling out at 18. They don't know running water. They, they defecate and wipe with their hands. They've never even seen a TV. They don't even know what the United States is. If you go up to them and say, why'd you do 9-11? They say, who's 9-11? They have no idea. They make, uh, I don't know, maybe the equivalent of a dollar every two weeks doing some BS job in the middle of some broken Mad Max land. And then all of a sudden, some wealthy benefactor with lines to Iran or Saudi Arabia says, hey, if you fire an RPG at that military convoy, you'll get $1,000. And it's more money than they're going to make in the next decade if they even survive the next decade. And they have that $1,000 and they go, maybe I can get my daughter some some vaccines or something right he goes man i completely get it and then he flipped and said i have to kill them if they pick up the rpg because they're a direct threat to my nation and to my brothers and to the people i'm serving with but he goes god my heart goes out to him and that's always kind of melted in my mind it's like there's someone who's like completely understands the big picture he's like if i was in that guy's spot I'd probably be picking up the RPG too. It's such an interesting tension that we live in in this world. And that's really where, you know, to the whole question of like, what do I do with trafficking? Like, how do I engage? It's like, it's like, okay, go, go be part of the homeless community that needs your help. Like invest in your kids' school and see the kids that are struggling and are going to be coming back behind, not just because of trafficking, but maybe because they have two working parents that, you know, I was with somebody the other day and she is an exec and her husband was working on one of the vaccines. Like they didn't have time to like focus on their kids' education over the last year. So how do we step in and help meet the needs of other people in our sphere? And I think that if we could get back to a place where we are putting others' needs above our own, then we can solve some of those problems. If we can see some of the places that other people might not truly understand, not come out with conversations with um, heavy rhetoric and um, just distrust of the other individual, but say, what have you been going through? Where, mm-hmm. what is that? And that, those are the bridges that we can build with people that I think change lives. And so, um, you know, I want people to understand trafficking. I want them to know the signs and indicators because I know how many vulnerable kids there are out there. And I know how many children are being preyed on it, especially in this time. And so that's my heartbeat. But it, more than that, it's a call to service. Like whatever your strengths are, use your strengths for service. And ultimately, the we're all going to be in a better place if that's the case. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. It's yeah, it's like the it's like the individual limestones that built the Empire State Building. It's like no one was like, make sure the whole thing's straight. It's like just place your limestone, rivet your thing. You did your little part. Do the next one. And when thousands of people do that, and it, and it creates the whole thing, right? It's kind of the cheesy example, but it is true. Find your. I remember when when I was little, when, whenever we'd rent a house up on some lake or something, my I would always get so mad because it wasn't just enough that we like cleaned up on the last day. My dad would always say, "Find it better than or leave it better than you found it." And in my mind, I was like, "Why are we doing free labor? Why are we Why are we paying them to rent?" And he'd be like, one, you're not paying anything. You know, seven with a bull cut and braces. Touche, old man. But he would say, you know, leave it better than you found it. And that's kind of how I'm just, that's my approach on the world now is I might die tomorrow. I might die at 90. What are my long-term goals? I'd really like to affect mental health. I lost a sibling to suicide seven years ago from depression. It's very near and dear to me. I would like to create a massive change in mental health, which is just a whole other episode for another time. It might be that the most I can do is like text a friend who I think is down. Either way, I in my mind I call it the the, the summer camp or the summer rental. Uh, I forget what principle or something. It's just that kind of leave it better than you found it. To completely pivot from that, so. The first time I talked to Miss Wells, and she was bringing up things, and I've had, that was like 200 episodes ago, I've had a lot of time to think it over, one specific thing, or I guess theme, and it were, were some of the darker things she talked about, and mm. I have since tried to go on and do independent research, which I'm sure has flagged me in Google systems for thinking I'm searching for this information, but like my own kind of like personal by just so everyone knows what I'm talking about. So I'm not alluding to this weird thing. She talked about, um, she talked about raping children to death, killing children, lighting children on fire, satanic abuse, not QAnon shit, but excuse my French, put that aside real quick. I've wanted to talk about that. And there's been this weird bifurcation in my mind because I clearly have ulterior motives. I'm trying to grow a podcast. I have to look at it and I'm like, am I trying to use this very dark incendiary thing for my own benefit so my video gets more views? Or am I actually interested about the darkest depths of humanity? I think it's more towards the latter, but I might be biased towards thinking it's the former. And I've had this battle in my mind for months. Like, Am I going to do an episode and talk about that because I want views or because I'm actually interested? And I finally got to a point where I realized I don't care anymore. I think I'm just going to do it and get it over with. But in my mind, it's I remember like when those ISIS videos started first coming out of them chopping people's heads off of of lighting people on fire. And uh, one of the special forces guys I've had on here told me he was like, you like, you have to watch it. And I was like, I was like, I've read the description. I'm good enough. And he was like, no, you have to watch it and let it be seared into your mind. He was like, don't watch an abstract video of nine 11 of the buildings collapsing from two miles away. It's like, watch the people jumping out of the buildings, watch them hit the pavement and watch them no longer resemble a human. It's just a pile of blood and mush. And I'm like, why the hell would I want to do that? 
And he was like, burn it into your mind. It's if you watch the Twin Towers collapsing, it kind of looks no different than like an avalanche. It's just a big movement of matter and energy. You're like, oh, that's that's bad. When you watch two people holding hands with their ties flapping as they hit terminal velocity down the facade of the South Tower, you go, oh, yeah, terrorism's a real thing. We can't let take our foot off the gas. To me, we can talk about a child wearing long sleeves to hide the bruises. Are they dissociating? Are they, do they seem very scared? And those are all things where, again, it's, okay, good, let's talk about it, let's listen. But with the same intention that I wanted to bring up realistic goals or actions my guests can take instead of just change your profile picture to say fight human trafficking to know actually did you see something weird at a gas station here's a number leave a tip there is an effect i kind of want to go into the darkest things of it because someone might listen to this episode otherwise and go oh yeah that's good yeah let's let's fight human trafficking and then six hours they forget about it and they never think about it again versus miss wells had the effect intentional or not of, of renting space in my mind for the last three months and I'm now here rambling like an idiot but what she said is so I'm going to ask you can you elaborate on those darkest things paying someone to watch a child be raped to death to rape an infant to light an infant on fire yeah. or satanic rituals what is are is that all real? Is that not just QAnon shit? And if you can't tell there has been that dilemma in my mind, do I just want an incendiary episode or am I actually interested enough finally said I don't know, I don't care. Let's just tackle it. Sorry, I know I've been talking for like 8 straight minutes. So for those who just want to learn how to spot report and prevent traffic, going I'm going to tell you a website. Go to um it's our education platform. It is iamonwatch.org. It's a free one-hour training that um, really helps you understand how to understand the different types of trafficking and what signs and indicators are present in different types. So I want to make sure you have that before we go into this part. I'll put that in the description. I'll put it in the top comment as well as I'll put the phone number for the National Human Trafficking Hotline. It'll all be right there so there is something you can do. Yes, and those are, so it's 10 um, five-minute episodes very easy to do and feel like you know feel empowered to go out and do it because what we're going to talk about next is obviously the harder cases and they may not be the ones that you intersect with sure. quite as frequently and so um yes it is there are definitely parts of this that are extremely dark and that they, they are we work with a lot of survivors who suffer from dissociative identity disorder as a result of um, ritual abuse and really what that is at its core is it's when their mind fractures because they cannot hold the traumatic memories that they've experienced. And so they, um, to really just even survive, their mind had to um, become what we used to know as multiple personality disorder. And so they have experienced some of the darkest parts 
of our world. We all know that white supremacy is real. We know that right-wing extremist groups are real. We know that there are left-wing extremist groups. Like There are people out there who may not be motivated by money, but are more motivated by power and the control that they can have over somebody. And so that is a very different trafficker profile than those who are like, I just need to meet my rent, and so I'm going to sell my child to get the rent money from the to pay the landlord. Like that's still horrific and should not happen. But the motivation is different. What we find with these very dark, more um, spiritual run groups and the occult activity is that the traffickers are really wanting that power, that control, that ability to um, reprogram to some level somebody's mind for their purposes. And so that is where the dark parts really live in this issue. Um, Not every survivor by any means experiences that, but we do have many that have. And um, their road is long and hard. I mean, they are every day wrestling with, am I going to wake up and be who I was when I was born? Like my my host, they call it. Am I going to be in my host personality? Or am I going to wake up and be a young child that has a different name? And that's when that experience, first experience happened. And then I wake up and be that 11-year-old part of me that suffer or struggles with suicidality. They don't know which part of them is going to present at any given moment. And that is the complexity of DID and really serving those survivors who have been um, victims of some of the worst parts of trafficking in our world. So yeah, that's that's an important distinction as someone who is just doing it for money, still evil versus I mean I think Miss Wells said it. She was like it's no different than I mean it's maybe something that we can all you know because no one can really relate to it because I would imagine the vast majority of my listeners aren't human traffickers. Okay, but you could, all right, let's just use a, a, a uh, an, an adult analogy. You're in a relationship for a long time. Maybe you guys spice it up in the bedroom. You try something new. That's no different than, you know, uh, running farther, training for the, the marathon. That's no different than adding another plate to the bench press. You got to push further, right? Or, you know, it's, it's the fifth day of spring break in college. Your alcohol tolerance starts to go up. You guys got to move to the... You guys got to move to the golden grain, you know, hard alcohol instead of like the, uh, you know, the the apple teenies and stuff, right? Not that I would drink girly drinks. That's maybe I have to edit that out. But there is an it's I mean, it's very simple. It's 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 neuroscience is what it is, is it's oversaturation of dopaminergic receptors or whatever receptor it is to where you need greater and greater stimulus. It's no different than pornography. Where it's not enough that you need X, you now need X times two. You now to these weird kind of fetishes, which as long as it's all legal, hey, go for it. But that's it's not the point of this. She brought up that it might start with the thrill of looking at images of a, a naked woman girl who is under eighteen. Oh, I, I just did something illegal. To sixteen to now she's prepubescent to now Mm -hmm. she's a child to now it's not a picture now it's a video 
Now it's masturbation. Now it's sex. Now it's now it's watching someone else do it. Now it's watching it in person. And now it's abuse. Now it's punching or hitting. To finally now it's murder. Mm-hmm. Now it's paying someone, choosing from a a host of instead of what appetizer do you want, you can choose, hey, how do you want this kid to be killed? Is that just the highest is that the highest is that the hardcore fentanyl? Is that a satanic yeah. ritual where a child is raped to death and then murdered? Is that is that just the, the deepest end of it? I hope so. Like I hope that's the deepest end of it. But I you know, in this industry I say that and then somebody else walks in our door. But at the end of the day, like when our survivors come in, it doesn't matter where they're coming from, you know, like we're going to love them and we're going to figure out and walk with them through whatever it is that they've experienced and go to those hard places with them because they didn't ask to endure the deepest parts and the darkest parts of our humanity. And so it's my privilege to step into that with them and say, how can we together push back the darkness? How can I support you as you try to figure out all the parts of your being? Because you don't even know them all. How can I speak with your therapists or do whatever it is that I need to do to help you put back your life, you know, little bit by little bit and show some you what true love is and try to replace all those lies that have been fed into their mind for so long with truth of their value and their dignity and their worth. And so that is really at the end of the day, what our heartbeat is to see is more opportunities for people who maybe have been rejected by society because they are in those really extreme cases, which are really hard and people don't know how to like, people, we don't, we, we don't have a crash course during high school or college on how to deal with people with, you know, complex trauma. That's never in our sphere. Like even most therapists don't ever have that in depth of a training. So how do we really work to progress the responses that we have? How do we train people so that they are are those who can handle the 99% of survivor type stories that a lot of different um, people interact with? But then how do we um, really elevate those who can walk alongside those who really have seen those really dark things that you mentioned. And again, yeah, obviously those aren't the cases you're probably going to run across, you, the average listener, myself included. Again, I hope I can reiterate that the, the purpose of going into that was not to psych you up for like, that's who you're going to run into. Rather, no, I, I, I kind of want this episode to stick in people's minds like Miss Wells intentionally or unintentionally did to me where it was there for two months like a splinter and I was like I have to have her back on finally maybe that was her goal and I get you but maybe that was the goal and you know what I would say that it worked it worked because it got you back on my platform and now I maybe I'm gonna do the same thing I'm maybe we can just put these splinters in our listeners minds and Maybe two months will go by and finally they'll be like, I've, I have to learn more. I have to do something. Right. So maybe there's a goal to it. Um, I'm sorry if that was difficult to talk about, but I hope you do know that that was my intention was to sort of, it's not the towers collapsing. It's the people jumping from it. 
it's I kind of right. wanted to sear that into people's minds because now I'm lucky you listener you can't forget it you you could brush trafficking under the rug you'd be like oh yeah kidnapping is evil you can't you can't brush satanic ritualistic abuse under the table that's that's um you mentioned you and I, I got you for nine more minutes is you mentioned the the occult mm-hmm. so and maybe this is beyond the scope of 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 trafficking is that um is that someone who's still just what is that is that someone who has all the money in the world and they've done everything so why not go to the next thing or that some people that just truly feel like they're praising satan by I mean, I don't even know. I, f- I feel like I'm talking QAnon now. <laughs> like it's, that's the- it's a lot. Well, the closed culture community, like there are those that are satanic ritual driven or there are those that aren't. But they like that still stems. And so the occult doesn't necessarily worship Satan in the same way that a satanic ritual cult does. So it's just acknowledging that there, this looks different ways. It's the it's the extremist groups that I'm sure you've heard about. I know you have through all of your other types of um, guests. And so it's recognizing that there are just people out there who form that have very um, similar ideas and get stuck in the echo chambers of each other's minds and create these extreme groups that just feed into these activities that are just so um, horrific. And so that's kind of, it doesn't always look like satanic ritual abuse. That's one form of it. It can look, it can manifest in other closed cultural groups. And um, that's really challenging because those are harder to infiltrate. And that's what makes them so much harder for law enforcement. Cause that's a, you know, you're really having to take down organized crime at that level and networked yeah. individuals. Yeah. Yeah, the analogy I always use is kind of like a Galapagos Islands where you're cut off from the mainland to where these things, the genetic drift, it, that's where you get these kind of crazy huge tortoises or these finch with these insane beaks, stuff that you don't get anywhere else because it's cut off from the rest of the world and then it goes on its own evolutionary lineage like if we took if we took a bunch of humans right now, we put them on Mars, and then we added no more humans for the next thousand years, they would drift. It's called genetic drifting. They would become adapted to there. We don't really see as much gen- genetic drifting on Earth because air travel, train travel, boat travel, we're now intermixing so much. It's not we. It's not unheard of for someone to grow up in New York and then move to Shanghai and whatever. It's. But in that sense, these these extremist groups are like that in that they are often removed from social media platforms and, or they intentionally remove themselves and they become these, these Galapagos islands of extremist views to where they genetically drift, if you will, to these insane lengths to where they're not like the Galapagos islands. They're not even recognizable or comparable to the thing that they drifted from how do you fight that with anything less than like a bomb? Just blow it all up. Not calling for violence, YouTube. Please don't ban me. It's that's it's you know what? We've talked about enough dark stuff and I think I'm good for right now. Um mm-hmm. How far is your running coming now? Are you just are you just like a a, a running machine now? 
No, I've put it into the context of orange theory, which means that I only have to do those, you know, 20, 25 minutes on the treadmill before I get to do the rower and the floor. So I'm not looking to do a lot of long distance anymore, but just trying to keep that mental health side of things in check and uh, all those good things. But no, it's been neat. And it's, we are looking to be charity partners at some other events coming up. And we now we have survivors who are like, I really want to do that. Like that would be great oh. for me. So that'll be fun too, to be doing some events where they're finding different ways and outlets to, um, to just stretch themselves. Like we all need to be stretching ourselves and continually growing and uh, breaking those bonds of what we think is possible in our own mind. And so how do we just continue to come alongside them and whatever their ambitions are and where they're driving toward and say, okay, so that will be what gets me to do my next marathon is when they all want to do it because, uh-huh. you know, pack mentality stuff. I can't let them do it yeah. without yeah. and be left behind. But yeah, but no, this morning, Christy was trying to convince me to do a tough mutter. I was like, uh, I did not agree to anything that involves mud and dirt. Like that might you. be not- I don't even run. My mom is 62 and she still runs miles and miles and miles. I, every morning I get on the treadmill, I don't even run. I speed walk like a... a You're my person. I'm a professional speed walker. That's really how I did read your I don't like running, man. My legs hurt. I get shin splints. So people are like, what do you do for cardio? I'm like, I speed walk. I am right up there with like the moms. That's what I do. I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you to a speed walking competition because I think that's how I did bring Corn Marathon. Christy was like, you didn't run it. You just sped walked. So I'd have to run and then walk really slowly and then run to catch up to you. <laughs> Sounds like a her problem. You know, maybe she should get on the speed walking. You probably beat me in it because I don't even go that fast. But it's to me, it's how I get going every day for um, what was I going to say? Shit, it slipped my mind. Marine Corps, charity, health, human traffic. It's. Oh, no, I had a point to ask you, and it slipped my mind. I don't remember what it was. Um, well, I have no idea. It's gone forever, and I'm sure I'll remember as soon as it goes off, as soon as we stop talking. But um, thank you very much for talking to me. And, um, again, sorry about that last part, but I did want to sort of drive that into the minds of people listening. That That is – now you can't forget it. Sorry, not Sorry. But now you can't forget it. Because otherwise it continues to grow. And that's been the challenge is we've been able to look away from it for so long that it's became become such a significant issue that faces so many communities. And so if we want to get rid of, if we want to build healthier communities, we have to choose to see the hard. And so if that's the thing that's going to help sear it in somebody's mind to take their, oh, turn their awareness into action, let's go. Because we can't wait to see people get activated to see meaningful change. Yeah. And again, it clearly it worked. Christy said it two or three months ago, and I couldn't get it out of my head. So clearly it's an effective method. But um, yeah, we'll wrap this up, and I'll put the phone number. Could you say the, the I, am, I Am On Watch, IamOnWatch.org? Yep, IamOnWatch.org. Okay, I will put that in description. I will stick you in the top comment. And um, yeah, it's not – no one no one person's going to change it. So everyone just do your little – Do your little bit. Do your one block of limestone in the Empire State Building, and it can have an effect. Definitely. I love it. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. And as I say to Mitzi, as I say to Christy, y'all are the only people that I sort of give the carte blanche of my podcast to. 
authors, even my favorite authors, they don't get it. They have to be invited. You guys, my, my platform is yours. If you want to come on and talk about, don't wait for me to email you. Tell me, hey, Tommy, we're coming on this day. We're going to talk about this new initiative. It's yours. I feel it's, I'm going to try to do my little bit of good in the world. I have 5,000 people listening. It's y'all's platform. So. Thank you. Absolutely. I have to ask you on a different note. Where did you go to school? Like you're really well read. I am a crazy person. I went to the University of Georgia. I graduated in 2013. Uh, I got into medical school. Uh, I published research in aquatic toxicology. Decided I didn't want to go. I got into pharmacy school the next year. Decided I didn't want to go. And um, just started, you know, that was kind of, that happened all around the same time as my, my brother committing suicide. So I started kind of going off the rails, doing a bunch of drugs, gaining a ton of weight, a lot of McDonald's, a lot of pills. Uh, in 2016, moved home to my parents up here in Maryland. And uh, didn't really have anything, was sober, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So just started listening to audiobooks to uh, pass the time. And I think I've taken down like 1,200 audiobooks or something in like five years. I only moved out about a month ago. I lived at home for five years in my late 20s. And um, that's what I do with the podcast now is I'm, a, I'm able to just pull out weird facts and figures. And for whatever reason, people listen. No, it's fantastic. I just love your... Right. I don't know if it was from having the guests on and hearing so many stories, which I'm sure is part of it, but you can tell you have to be really well read and able to synthesize a lot of information and bring it into context for people. I've, I've, Mitzi has asked me about that before. How do, how do I do that? And there is a distinct difference between being pre-med where one, you're kind of scared shitless about not getting into medical school. So you study hard, but then it's also just, they pound it into your head. You have an organic chemistry test. You got to learn X, Y, and Z. And you just got to do it on repetition. That's kind of learning through fear. What I have found is how to, how to come across as well-read, how to fake it is don't, don't set out with a goal of I'm going to, I'm going to learn everything about the cold war. And then people will think I know about the cold war. Find anything anything you're interested in and just start pulling on that thread maybe your yeah. husband tabletop maybe you go oh what's what's the history of war games and then that takes you to i don't know 1800s china and you go oh that's weird let's learn about steamboats and steamboats take you to microprocessors and microprocessors take you to marine corps marathons and marine corps marathons take you to sound tiles exactly it just keep pulling on no. the string and Pull the threads. Yeah. yeah i was wondering what your background was because no. you oh no it's and uh oh. yeah if you do that years later will pass and you still won't have any idea where you're going in life but you'll have a lot of information and people will think you're smart so uh fake it till you make it but that that's why i guess i seem well read i don't think i am but i think i can just talk well you Put your five years at your parents' house to good use. It like. hey, hey, man, time's going to pass anyway. I wanted to get something out of it. But um, awesome. thank you so much for coming on here. And in all sincerity, yeah, my podcast is it's y'all's platform. You tell thank me you. when you want to come on. Tell me we're talking about this. All right. I'll, it's yours. Right. You're amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank and you sorry so that Christy wasn't with you here today. Hey, you know what? I'm glad I got to talk to you. I think everything happens for a reason. And I think that was a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for being a, a good listener and letting me go on my rants. And um, thank you for educating the people listening. 
My pleasure. Right. Have a great day. You too. You have a wonderful day. God bless everybody. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.